Welcome to the Roadie Friday Podcast with your hosts, Darren Makins and Jose Escudero. Now that I know the exact table I need, I'm going to label it because that's what porn professionals do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I label everything on the bus. You can ask out there. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually really cool. Like, uh, because you're always like uh, in other tours, you're just opening random drawers to see what's in them. Uh, and now it's like, all right, yeah, salty snacks, okay, sweet snacks, all right, cool. Here's the water. Yeah, everything's labeled. <laughs> even my, even the bunks are labeled. Even though like everyone had already slept in them, they were labeled the next day. So that's nice. my name on it now. <laughs> so if I want to fuck with Jose, I know exactly what bunk to go to. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I yep. just I just bought like eight rolls of e tape and like all different colors, uh-huh. and I'm also bringing a P touch with me on this one, so I can literally like if I'm as hungover as shit or whatever I am and disoriented, I can still do my job. I love the P touch. It's like one of my favorite things. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I even labeled the clean bags of drinking ice. <laughs> <laughs> the clean bags? Hell yeah. That's uh so, yeah. so so you're the one that goes and gets the ice for the bus and all that stuff? I get the ice for the bus and all that stuff. Yeah. That was my job with nonpoint, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's how I got uh with nonpoint, my nickname is Iceman because I bring the bus to the ice. Ice to the bus. <laughs> <laughs> you bring the bus to the ice. <laughs> oh. Jesus, it's been a day. Um, well, how are you guys doing today? Good. Yeah. It's uh it's a day off in Amarillo, Texas. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh oh, yeah. it's just as uh empty and boring as you think. <laughs> you know what it sounds like? I the the last tour that I was on, we had a day off in Roswell, New Mexico, and I was like, Oh fuck yeah, I'm gonna get on some adventures and I'm gonna go walk around town and try and find some aliens and shit and nothing. Were there no aliens? There was no. Uh, there was a Buffalo Wild Wings, and I spent all day in the Buffalo Wild Wings drinking with uh, Atreyu. But that's that's about it. I, I think that that's what some of the guys are up to right now. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna go." Uh, there's a bar that's open till two p.m. It's the day shift bar, and then there's another one that opens at like two p.m. So interesting. They're gonna switch off. I know. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna." Call my kid's sister and say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Then, Jamie, why don't you go ahead and give us kind of your background as to how you got your start in in your position and started working in the industry? So I actually started very early. I went to um, this summer camp called Rebel Girls Music Camp in Ann Arbor, Michigan at this teen center. And it wasn't really a camp and it wasn't really like it wasn't very traditional at all and it wasn't very organized it was just like a bunch of former riot girls out of the pacific northwest that Mm -hmm. like got a bunch of like teenage kids together and we're like we're gonna show you how to like you know fend off predators and fight and do karate and like work a soundboard and pee standing up and play a bass whoa and (laughs) and like this is what and like and like this is why you shouldn't shave your legs and i think my parents thought i was going to come out like 
being like, I made all these friends and I can play an instrument. And instead I was like, I don't shave my legs and I listen to Bikini Kill. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, what? And I was like, and I'm going to work. And I was like, I'm going to work in the music industry. And they're just like, okay, you do you kid. Um, but I kept at it. And like, I got some of my first internships when I was still in high school, we had, um, uh, Ann Arbor had like a really great music scene. All my friends were in ska bands. And so I'd throw shows with them and help them put out stuff on their labels. And I was interning at this, uh, label called ghostly international and helping them with like the Matthew deer and Audion releases that were coming out at the time. Um, and like mailing them off to like college radio stations for promo and stuff. And then I had to stop doing that because I was 14 and apparently like I wasn't a legal age to go to the post office on behalf of this business. So <laughs> they were like, Oh, <laughs> they're like, you're, you're like literally not old enough to like send mail for us. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And then, so I went to school and I kept throwing parties in school in Chicago. And, um, then I did fest. I did the festival circuit for like six years and that was grueling. And, and then I got rescued by, um, my tour mother, Helen Knox. And she was like, I was about ready to, I was just like, I'm done. I'm tired. And I was like, I hurt all over all of the time. I can't, keep doing festivals and i was like i'm i'm too old to tour now and i was like 26 this is like i was like oh my god like all my friends that had toured had already like been touring for years and i was just like well if it was if it was gonna happen it was gonna happen and then i was like oh for sure it's just not gonna happen so i was like i'm gonna work in i'm gonna be a project manager for a real estate development firm in chicago (laughs) And like the day I got offered that job, my friend Helen calls me and she was like, I got a tour offer for you. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take this other job. Like I'm going to get out of the industry and I'm going to work in real estate. And she's like, no, you like literally can't turn this down. And I was like, okay, well, like, what is it? And that was, um, the U2's 30th anniversary for Joshua Tree. So, wow. Uh, and that was, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> talk, I was like, talk about coming out of the gate <laughs> swinging. Your first tour is you too. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like every everyone's like, hey, what's your first tour? Oh, you know, like, blah blah blah. Like, oh, what's your first tour? Oh, you too. It's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I I got it was it was such a cool experience. Like, I don't know, I had barely left the Midwest before that, and then suddenly I was like all over the world and I was like I was like whoa this is wild um but yeah I remember like our very first bus ride I was so excited for my first bus ride I was like yes it's gonna be so cool I was gonna I'm gonna shower at the gig it's gonna be great and um it was in Vancouver I it was at um BC place maybe I don't know whatever the stadium there is and after everyone Helen was like she was so great because she coached me through everything she was just like this is what you need for your, you're like, this is a bus bag. This is what you're going to put in your, like, this is the kind of luggage you want. She told me everything like going into it. I got so fortunate. Like she just mentored me the whole way through. And I don't even think she wanted to be my mentor. She always jokes that I'm the daughter she never wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I call it, I call her my tour mother. And, um, so I'm like, I'm all excited. I got my shower bag. I got my like shower shoes. I'm really, I'm like, this is so cool. And like total rookie move. I didn't like, check the shower pressure or anything before I get in there. 
and then like i'm like standing there under the shower turn it on and it's just like a cold drizzle like not even not i was just like i just remember thinking like you've made it this is what you've wanted to do (laughs) (laughs) dreams do come true Yeah, I was like, all right. And I was like, so I guess it's just a this, that, and the cat kind of shower. So I was like, this is life. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's that's um, kind of the uh, that's the sarcastic thing that I always say if like not desirable situation while I'm on tour, I always just say like, well, I guess I better call my mom and tell her I made it. Like that's that's kind of my joke the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, my, my joke was always like back when I was touring with like my band uh you know with van tours you find yourself in so many shitty situations and and like every time i hear somebody complaining is like hey uh remember when your mom asked you like like, hey are you sure you want to do this are you sure you want to pursue music and you told her yeah mom i'm gonna follow my dreams and it's like (laughs) yeah like here you are (laughs) like some bitch just shut the fuck up Yeah, there's um there's this rapper Dessa out of Minneapolis. She she has a novel about um she wrote a book about like touring and in the music industry and she's got um there's this one section in the book where it talks about how like it's the Tinkerbell effect. Like you just keep like does it happen? Um does Tinkerbell exist if you don't keep clapping, if you don't believe you like you like the job only happens because you believe hard enough that it's gonna happen. Like yeah, it's cute when you're a kid sitting at the table saying, like, oh, I want to grow up and be an astronaut or a ballerina, but when you're a 33-year-old sitting around at, you know, holidays and stuff, and your family's like, What do you do? And you're like, I'm gonna be a musician or a rapper or a roadie or whatever. It's like it's less cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're like, "Oh, yeah." So, what do you do? <laughs> well, Jose, have you ever gotten that? Like, because uh, I was at a Christmas party la- uh, this past year, and my dad, uh, there was there was another guy that like plays in a local band in Philadelphia, and so my dad was like, "Hey, uh, Darren, why don't you explain to him what you do for a living?" Because I couldn't quite. <laughs> describe it and i was just like i'm a roadie for rock bands and the guy was like oh sick i play in a shoegaze band and i was like oh he said shoegaze we're about to get in the woods (laughs) 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 so then we started talking about bands like uh uh stone jesus and and somali yacht club and stuff like that just like real out there like stoner doom like just the sludgiest things you could think of and yeah I don't, I don't usually like have many of those moments. Uh, that, that surprises me. I mean, I guess like back, like I, I really, really do keep to myself, like <laughs> to the point that like, uh, you know, I do see my family every now and then, but it, it's not that often. And we, we don't, we don't talk that much. Uh, so it's, uh, I haven't really like put myself in. Yeah. I'm the same way with certain family members. Yeah. I mean, back when I was younger, I guess like when I was still like, see like living with them and stuff and i had my bands i you know we stuff like that would happen but also like i guess like after being in it like this long and like doing it like like for real it's kind of like legitimized itself and like the people who know me so it's like it's like oh yeah jose is like a guitar tech you know it's like it's not like that weird anymore and the fact that you know like 
I get to make a living out of it, like legitimizes it like even more. It's not this like thing like, oh, I'm gonna work in the music industry, watch like you know, like uh yeah, like most people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it's not uh it's not a common thing that not a common conversation that I have. Like most people that I talk to are like people like you guys who are in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. None of my I, I live at home right now. I, I'm a boomerang millennial. Fair. <laughs> so I moved back to I moved into to my dad's attic and um I have a kid sister and they're 17 years old and they're graduating this year. And I've like totally corrupted the youth and all of their friends and they all want to like work Hell in the yes. music industry now and their parents. Uh, yes. are, like yeah, my sister just got into school for um theater production at Oakland U- University and like so excited about it and today just like got a text message to work a josh bassett show maybe i don't know if that's saying that right in detroit and uh our parents are gonna drive sex down there to work this show and they're just gonna like day drink in a bar in downtown while my sister (laughs) works this gig and they're just like what have you done? We thought we were going to have a, a doctor or an engineer, and I mean, there still could be an another engineer, hooligan. just a different type of engineer. Another hooligan. Exactly, that's what I said. Yeah, I know. A professional so, um, hooligan. But no, I think a professional <laughs> hooligan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like all of their friends are into it too. So. Um, they're all, all of the parents are just like, Jamie, what have you done? <laughs> and I was just like, I've corrupted Gen Z. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> no, I think they're the coolest kids ever too. So I'm like, I was, oh, yes, cool. I was like, let me help you have an opportunity so that you don't feel old at 26 on your first tour. So if you want, I'd like, I will help connect you with any resources I can. So <laughs> that's great. Um, so what but 26 is not old for touring yeah so what, what how would you describe what you do on a tour to somebody and what is what is your official job title and what how would you describe it to somebody yeah so i started in vip so i took care of all of the paid like guests that like paid for a premium experience which would include anything from like you know pre-show sound checks to meet and greets and q a's parties were a bit like a big thing uh i've done a lot of like the band like museums and memorabilias which is like pretty cool um i've seen some like really interesting artifacts from uh, just like histories of careers and stuff like that, putting those together and like talking to fans about it. And um, so I did that and only in the, I've done some PA work. So in the last like year or so um, I've transitioned back over to more production assistant. So I kind of ping pong from doing like more guest facing front facing stuff and then doing more like back of house, like taking care of like crew artist. Um, but a common theme is I'm taking care of people. Fair enough. <laughs> no matter what role, no, no matter what role I'm in. So um, one of them is just uh, I'm either earning money on the revenue side or spending money taking care of people. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, but it's like a lot of it's like super super hospitality based, um, and just like being super diligent and organized with my budgets and stuff like that. So. Um, my favorite is always like the VIP, like the super fans that would come to like, you know, every show and travel in every city and stuff. They'd always tell me like, you have the greatest job in the world. We want your job. Like, 
you know, like, what are, like, how do we get your job? And I was like, listen, you know, I'm like packing a semi truck, like sweating balls when you're enjoying your show, like whatever your job is that allows you to spend between two and a 200 and a thousand dollars per night to come to this show five nights a week, like, and travel and afford these hotels. Like, that's the job I want. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like, oh, I assure do you, you want to adopt, like, <laughs> like, please, I would love to do that instead. I was like, you have no idea how hard I, it is. So it's kind of fun, like getting to interact with the fans, like when in the front of house facing roles, because like, you know, they see the artists on stage, but like, they don't really have much interaction with any of the texts or anything like that on the crew. Like there's a whole world of it that they don't see on YouTube. Part of the VIP experience was giving a backstage tour. And so they would get to chat with like our LD and our production manager for a few minutes about you know, and just like kind of get shown around like what backstage looks like and everything. And it was kind of cool just like giving them that history and like education of like all the various roles and stuff. And they're always like, whoa, I had no idea that there was like this much involved. Like sometimes the fans, like they don't really understand that. So I really like that part about VIP. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's part of the reason why Jose and I started this show was just to kind of give the fans, I guess, another peek into the whole concert experience in, uh, I guess, add another layer to the onion, dare I say, you know, cause, cause they show up doors are at 6 PM. They show up and they see this whole beautiful stage built and all the lights are hung and the video wall is hung and you know, everything. And a lot of them don't realize that that whole day started 10 hours before that. And it was an empty room that they, wa- that we all walked into. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's what, what you guys do on like the production coordination side, as well as like taking care of artists. Uh, that is a, I, I know that Jose and I also take care of our artists, but it's in a different way. It's, it's, it's more show related, but what, what you guys do to yeah. coordinate all of that is just wild to me. Yeah. They like, like literally keep us alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. keep us watered and fed (laughs) yeah i think i mean a lot of it is just like you know making sure that people's creature comforts when they're away from home so much it's like that they're accommodated and looked after and so um i have a background of like working in hospitality and in the food service industry too so um i think also just kind of like it kind of comes naturally to me and like knowing people like I like intuitive reading and like people's preferences. Like I'll notice if someone's like, Oh, they did eat those granola bars that day. Like I won't buy that brand again or something like that. Or like, Oh, this snack's getting eaten a lot. Like I'll buy more of this and less of that. So like, just like communicating with people and also just like being like, all right, what are they, what do they seem to like want most right now? Like while they're away from home, like, do you need an extra pillow? Is your bunk feeling flat? Do you need a pillow topper? Things like that. Like, (laughs) It's like trying to get those things done. So and saying like, I don't know, just like you gotta be so organized. So but I love a good Excel sheet. So um, <laughs> oh. like I'm a total nerd for that. <laughs> yeah, Excel sheets are, are my are my enemy. Like I just I open it up and it can be like literally two two rows and I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm looking at right now. But like somebody that is a wizard that can just do 
all of the formulas and everything. That's just, again, that's all, that's another layer to the onion that I just don't understand. And I know someday I really should dive in and learn Excel, but just I, I've, I've never taken the time to learn Excel. I mean, I really love Excel and Google Sheets, but I don't know anything about any of the tech side. Like you could ask me to wrap a cable and I would just like stare at it. <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, actually. <laughs> I'm like, I should really know some basic things like that. But some of the production. Someone hands you a cable and it's like, wait, how long have you been working in the music industry? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know like cables aren't a part of my world like yeah. I, if you give me a vip lanyard i can do pretty much anything with a v like a like one of those little lanyards i could string up so much stuff those are like the macgyver tool of touring and i love those but like yeah i don't know anything about tech stuff <laughs> at all and it's like i think the thing with like the bigger productions too is like there's just um like there's there's kind of like a role for everybody too. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's a little like everyone's like in like everyone's in like their own little like uh camp in a way. So it's like, you know, um which is great for working on this tour is like everything with like Alter Bridge is so much more intimate and like I am getting more experience with things that I wouldn't normally have access to and have conversations with people that I'm like, "Oh, I'm learning so much more now." So yeah, for sure. Because um, one of one of the uh, like when I am working on a bigger tour or something like that, somebody like Jose and I might not get a lot of FaceTime with the person that's doing merchandise or VIP coordination uh, or anything like that. And I, I try my best to at least on every tour, like introduce myself even to the other members of the other crews, just, you know. Hi, I don't think you need anything from me, but just in case you do, feel free to. Uh, I'm friendly. Feel free to come up to me and ask for anything. I'd be happy to accommodate as much as I can. I, I was on with. every leg of a North American run on an arena show doing VIP, but I had my own truck and everything I did was fairly separate. And then it was like, so I've been with them 2018, all 2019. And then like in September of 2019, I was in the crew room and one of the guys was like, who are you? <laughs> and I was like, I'm Jamie. I do VIP. I was like, who are you? And he was like, I'm a carpenter. I've never seen you before. Did you just join? And I was like, no, I've been here since December of 2018. <laughs> and he was like, oh. Like we had zero. I was like, did you just don't join? He's like, no, I've also been here since December of 2018. I was like, well, hello and goodbye. Cause the tour ends in three days. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, nice. I have two, I, I have, I had, I know two people that worked for, I think it was dead in company at one point. One was the merchandise manager uh -huh. and one was, uh, one was a monitor engineer. And like, and uh -huh. him and I worked together, myself and the monitor engineer worked together on a one-off for filter. And so we were just having small talk uh -huh. and talking about bands that we've worked for. And he mentioned dead and company. And I was like, Oh, you must know my dude Dieter. And he was like, dude, Oh, you know, Dieter. <laughs> oh, w wait, are you being real right now? I, I don't know Dieter, but my, one of my close friends, um, is like super 
they he did dead and co last year and now they're like super tight homies yeah uh, so i've I've heard about Dieter, but i've never met Dieter. he's a fuck <laughs> he's and he's he's comfortable with me saying this out in the open he is a full-blown maniac yeah my friend jack's out with him so it's funny see it's a small it's also like a super small intimate it's world so small. um he, you can like meet new faces, but then you're just like, oh, you have like 12 mutual friends with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, you know so and so. And it's like, yeah, I've been Germany. knowing so and so for 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Jamie and I even <laughs> discovered we have a mutual friend who's not in the industry. <laughs> I know. My old college roommate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the heck? There's the, the, uh, this dude named Johnny. He's the drum tech for, uh, for Bad Wolves. Uh, I, him and I were like talking about, you know, where we're from and all that stuff. I said I was outside of Philadelphia. And so he goes, Oh, do you know this dude, Dan Twyford? And I was like, Yeah, I was in drumline with him when I was in high school. <laughs> I, see, I love that stuff. I like, it's like the interconnectivity and like, I don't know, the, the people and everything behind it. Like, that's like what makes it fun and exciting. Yeah, for absolutely. Me. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. getting to meet new friends on every tour and then, you know, eventually becoming family with these folks. Like it's, it's one of my favorite parts of this job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it, I don't know. Do you guys have static environments that you live in or are you more transient? I know Jose, you're, yeah, um, you're doing static, a storage unit. Like, yeah, I'm but, not static at all. <laughs> I've, I own a house <laughs> and have dogs and do the whole thing. So, okay. So you, you have a fairly static community. Yes. Um, in addition to having a very transient one, that's like, that's been a huge struggle for me over the past few years. is like trying to figure out, like, there's so many different little like communities all over the world that I'm like, Oh no, but I could live here. I want to do this or I want to do that. And I'm like, how do I choose which one to like Mm -hmm. invest in? Because I would start, like I did storage unit life for like three years. And I was like, this was like taken, it was like taking a lot out of me. And so finally I bought a house in Detroit and it made sense. Kid sister going off to college, they can live there, et cetera. But there's still like so many other areas and I'm like, well, like I want to go here and stay there for like four months yeah. <laughs> when I'm done with tour. And I like that. So yeah, it's just fun. Like, I don't know. I like having all of those spaces that you can pop into and those people that it's like maybe you haven't seen them for two three four years but like conversations just like pick up like you guys were on the bus yesterday together jamie and i were talking about uh i was asking her like if there was any topics that she would like to get into while we were on here and she has a really cool one that (laughs) uh about uh payment uh, and pay differences uh between uh uh you know, guys that the uh, you know men and women pay differences even in our industry. Which uh, she was telling me things I was a little surprised to hear because I, I I didn't like. Oh yeah, for sure. Know about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's uh before we get into that, um, I was I forget what podcast I was listening to, but I was listening to another podcast where essentially like in terms of like these skilled industries, um, mm-hmm. how much and this this didn't even occur to me just because I, I don't want to say I'm one of the good ones, but like in my, in my mentality, if you're good at your job, you're good at your job. You should be able to get hired. But then just learning that there's this Mm -hmm. stigma, I guess, where, where, uh, women and people who identify as women, and this could probably even extend to the trans community where they have to work twice as hard as men in order to even remotely get hired for a job. 
and I was talking to somebody where they just straight up uh it was somebody recommending another person for a gig and they were like oh you're you're gonna love this person she is great and as soon as they said the word she the tour manager just said nope Mm -hmm. and so like that to me that is a a travesty and like just completely unfair Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, because like I have a pretty gender neutral name, Jamie, and then a lot of my friends call me James. Um, I would be advancing shows and people would show up and be like, oh, hey, we're looking for James. And I was like, yeah, I'm James. And they're like, no, he's a guy. And I'm like, no, James is a girl. Yeah. I'm, I'm that girl. <laughs> I, I'm your point of contact for today. And they're like, oh, so like, who else is here? Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> like, but I was like, okay, six, six, six. This is cool. Um, I like even like I had like like I guess like one of the reasons why I thought I was never going to tour is because I was told that I was a liability as a woman on tour. Whoa. Like as a first time touring female who like nobody wanted to take the liability that I might just be like some, I don't know, giant distraction as like a young woman and i've i've showed up to interviews and they were like oh we thought you were a guy and i was like you literally cannot say that <laughs> like i was like that's yeah that's literally illegal yeah, yeah that is illegal i know and i think um that's kind of somehow like i i guess that's also like how i ended up in like less of a like technical role and more of like i don't know what you'd consider like a traditional feminine like soft skills role which is like more hospitality based and doing vip is um there was space for women in that because none of the guys really seem to want to do vip like it's a lot of talking to people being sweet bending over backwards accommodating things that like women are just like generally socialized for naturally right so like that was just like the easier way into touring for me eventually and working just like generally in festivals and everything too because i did artist hospitality and like artist relations and vip for festivals for like six and a half years and you know i also ran like gates and everything like all of the like you know contracts and everything behind it too but most of the people just saw me as like i was the donut girl i brought you your champagne <laughs> like <laughs> I cleaned up the like I cleaned up all the bins and everything afterwards and like you know made the room look cute. So I would be insulted yeah. if somebody like called me the donut girl. Like that just for me that wouldn't fly, but I, I understand that there's a as a six foot four cis white man, I I understand that there's a certain amount of privilege that comes with that, I guess. For sure. Yeah. Five foot for female with like pink or purple hair yeah yeah that's 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 like, actually like, like why i wanted to bring this up because like as we were talking in the in the bus the other day like i was like damn like i it's rare that i find myself on the <laughs> privileged side of of these like issues and uh yeah i was like surprised like hearing all like all these situations that <laughs> Uh, with like pay and like jobs and all that oh totally yeah i mean like 
don't get me wrong. I've worked with like some really amazing crews and for the most part, everything's been like, you know, as equitable as things can be, I think, given the nature of it. And I don't think it's probably any different from working in like, you know, Silicon Valley or STEM or something like that, you know, but yeah, I mean, I've like, I've been asked like on me, like on stadium tours, I've been asked by guys like, Oh, like, well, you know, stage left. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know what stage left is. Like, why would I be here on, on this, to- like on a stadium scale tour? If I didn't know what stage left and stage right were, like, why would I even get hired? <laughs> like, you're just assuming because I'm a, a woman doing VIP that I don't know anything about any of this, which is bananas to me. There's one place in particular that I worked at, at uh, for a gig at one point, and I'm just throwing jar. Like, if 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 you're here, I just assume you can do the job. So right. So I. I I will just start throwing jargon out like stage left, stage right. Uh, I need a power con, uh, one twenty volt, like you know, all like whatever, whatever the term is. And I wait for somebody to ask me for clarification. That's when I will go. Okay, what parts of that do you need me to clarify? Because I had a loader at one point, and we were throwing stuff on stage, and I was like, all right, this goes stage left, this goes stage right. And he was almost embarrassed to come up to me and say, like, I don't know what stage left or stage right is, and I'm like cool so pretend you're the artist you're looking at the crowd stage left is your left stage right is your so yeah i don't know it's like everybody was new at one point yeah for and sure. i try not i try not to assume everybody's you know skill level until like they ask me like i'm just gonna assume we're kind of all on the same page because we're all working professionals yeah. and then if you need like i don't know if you need clarification or assistance on something like happy to do that like i don't know i i have like a very like you know task oriented like very list oriented type of brain so it's like i know that the way that i think about things isn't necessarily the way that like you know the direction i'm giving somebody would um always like interpret it but i don't assume that they're stupid right (laughs) (laughs) like off the bat like not like oh man like this person is just like they don't look like they know what they're doing so i'm just gonna assume that they don't know what they're doing <laughs> or or like i'll even know. i'll even shoot them a real quick like you good because i don't want to like assume that they don't know what they're doing so yeah i, I will first th- go to like hey you feeling all right or like you good you know something like that and then if they just yeah. go no i'm good i'm like all right then you know what you're doing i'm i'm gonna leave you alone yeah or it's like, hey, if you have any questions, like, I'm available. I'm here. Exactly. Like, let me know if anything doesn't make sense to you. And I'll, like, try and check in and just be like, hey, can I get you a water? Everything making sense still. Like, we're on the same page. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is good. So, or like, oh, no, like, how did you want me to string these lanyards? Which, like, sounds absurd, I'm sure. Because, like, coming from a girl that doesn't know how to wrap a cable, um, <laughs> telling people how to string lanyards. But it's like, I don't know. It's like, uh, I had someone helping me the other day and I was like, Hey, like bundle them in groups of 10 and they bundled them in groups of 50. And I was like, that's fine. You know, they're still in a group, whatever, but like the groups of 10 are just much easier to like handle when you're passing them and distributing them to guests on a front facing side than like having like a big tangle of 50. And so, um, like we went back and I was like, Oh, Hey, like actually like, this is great. Thank you for counting them. But can we go back and like, reorganize in this way and they're like oh yeah sorry like so um but just like there's super like there's like little nuances and things that make it when you're like 
constantly being in front of people because you're kind of with VIP, like you're kind of putting on a little bit of a show for them oh, too. For sure. Like I'm not a performer in any way, shape or form, but there's a presentation and an expectation because you're representing the artist. Like you're the first, like you're the first experience these folks have before they go into seeing their favorite band. And it's an additional paid experience too. Like they've invested a higher amount of money in it. So it's like, not only do you have to ensure that all of the technical aspects of like your activation are correct, you have to be super fun, you know, like presentable and like, you know, knowledgeable. And like, you can't like be like, man, I am going to like go take a nap right now. Like, no, you're kind of always on. And you, you can't, you in particular can't have a bad day because no, the, the these people, <laughs> these people are paying extra money to hang out with their favorite artists. So this is, this is probably their moment of the entire year. And if you show up in a bad mood, you know, that's really going to soil. Mm-hmm. The, that's, that's you're, you're an extension of the artist at that point. And you know, if you show up in a bad mood, then that really puts a sour taste in in the in the fans' mouth. That then, like the the artist will then suffer the repercussions of. I guess is how I'm trying to say that. Yeah, like you're definitely like like yeah, you're definitely like a representation on the front end of like the artist. I mean, even like when I'm not dealing with VIP guests, I'm like a sitting duck out in front of house. Like, you know, there could be huge amount of fans that like, you know, they don't know what a a platinum ticket is versus, you know, a VIP ticket versus a, you know, club ticket. And they're coming up to me, like I'm a, you know, info booth and know everything about the venue. And like, I'm like, I try and direct them around as best I can, but there's, it's also like you're one person with like a team of like five or six locals that you hire. If you're lucky on a stadium run, you'll have like two or three people touring on your team with you. But, um, you're just like constantly asking questions. So like by the time your day is over and everybody's having like a drink on the bus, you're just like, Nope, I'm done. I'm cashed out. I've talked to 10,000 people today and I've explained what a platinum ticket is and why it is different from VIP and how it's dynamic pricing. And I just can't anymore. I can't. (laughs) I I can imagine that your social threshold is uh, hit a lot a lot quicker than minor Jose's would be. Yeah, when I'm doing VIP stuff, probably, probably, yeah. Like there definitely gets to a point in the day where I'm just like, yeah, and I was like, sure. and I'm done, and I was like, and I'm, but I'm just gonna keep smiling. I, I will say that like that's actually probably like one of the best. Things. I mean, I'm pretty emotive, um, like facial expressions, but when I'm stressed, I just smile bigger. <laughs> so it's like for people who don't know me they're just like oh she's having a great time and for people who know me they're like oh she's fucking losing it right now because <laughs> i'm like oh yeah 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 i can do that i can make that happen and in my brain i'm thinking like how do i fit that in between this and this and like that's physically across this venue at this time okay like that's not gonna work but it's gotta work because this is what they said has to work okay great let's do it <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that, that you mentioned like her social threshold because we were actually talking about that this morning. Uh, how last night everybody was like hanging out and talking about saying like she was out there, but I wasn't because my social threshold, like it's like 
maybe it doesn't get impacted as much, but it's just so low already. <laughs> oh yeah, by for the, sure. By the time like people are coming into the bus, it's like, all right, this is uh it's getting to be a bit much. I'm a, I'm a go. I'm a peace out right here. There's give, more than three people just, out here. In this, uh, <laughs> just give them the old Irish goodbye. Just walk out yeah, without saying just anything. Like, just like, I'll be like, yeah, just, I just walk past and then just don't come back. And, <laughs> and then I found out like about all the shenanigans that ensued afterwards. Ba- baby Guinnesses. <laughs> yeah. They were, yeah. This morning I was like, oh, I see a bottle of Kahlua and a bottle of Bailey's and I'm, oh shit. I didn't know there was like, baby guinness involved <laughs> it was a it was a roadie friday last night it was so. roadie friday come on Jose. um <laughs> everybody thinks that i'm a i'm an extrovert and um like everyone's like oh wow you must like you're like super extrovert and everything and i'm like no i'm just really good at talking to strangers about nothing but like get me on a second date and it's crickets <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's like i can talk your ear off all uh, one day and then after that like hang out a second time and i'm just like so <laughs> cool see you later <laughs> um but i'm just really good at talking to strangers because i have to talk to strangers all of the time so i can like i don't know i'm like really good at just like pulling nothing out of you know something out of nothing out of thin air and just being like in connecting with people and these very like i don't know my airplane friends i guess that's what they are so you know these very short brief connections that i have that feel very you know vulnerable and intimate but then like they naturally just separate because the vip experience is over and maybe i'll see them at the next one and maybe i won't <laughs> right exactly and so you figured out your skill and you figured out a way how to monetize it yeah yeah and then yeah it, it definitely works for me and then but then like i spend a lot of my off time i'm just like i just want to like make pottery and read a book and like not do anything that really involves other human beings Re- refill the so. social battery yeah which i feel bad because like then i like get home and my friends are like hey you want to do this thing and i'm just like no absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> like please say it so yeah, nicely. I, uh, i'll usually like, like go home and i won't tell anybody that i'm that i'm there and then like a week or like a week and a half will pass by and people just kind of like catch glimpses like on social media or something that uh, i might just be in town and they're like hey so are you are you in town for a while like what are you doing i was like yeah uh, well i'm here till you know thursday or whatever and it's like three days from now (laughs) but by that point yeah like yeah yeah i've been here like the past two weeks but uh, yeah i'm leaving three days (laughs) and then you lie to them and you say like dude I'll hit you up the next time I'm in town, but you know, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I I won't. (laughs) There's some, there's some that I will (laughs) and they know who they are. Uh, But yeah, for the most part, I, my off time is like, I'm just not trying to, (laughs) not trying to hang out. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. No, I, 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 I'm definitely, I'm not as good about that as I wish I was. Like, I wish I had more capacity to like do things when I got home, but it does take like people just like don't really understand the constant motion of it does like take a toll Yeah, and you just need that recovery time. But one of the things I do try and do is I always carry stamps and I always buy postcards in every city. So that way it's like for the people that like, I want to stay like tangibly physically connected to, I always like send them stuff. So like the USPS is like definitely my love language for people that like at home and stuff when I'm just like, Hey, 
I might not text you and let you know I'm home, but I will send you a postcard from Amarillo, Texas. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do the same thing. Uh, so I'm going to be my next tour. I'm going to be in Europe for six weeks. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a whole thing, but I, I'm really trying to collect postcards and send them home for this next one. But I'm just, yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta figure out logistically how I'm going to make it happen when I'm uh, tethered to venues all day. So just make friends with your PA and ask them when the runner goes out, Hey, can they pick up a couple of international stamps and like, can, or you just ask the runner, like, Hey, I've got, you know, like, can I send five bucks or five euros, I guess. And like this like letter, you know, cause I buy stuff on like my days off. I spend a lot of time, like just like wandering, going to coffee shops and like getting like weird little like trinkets and things like that, that like fit easily in like an envelope or finding like cool postage and mail and stuff around. And then I just usually, I love when other people, like now that I'm in a more like PA facing role, I love when people are like, Hey, can you help me do this thing or send this mail or like whatever i love going out of my way to make sure that that stuff happens because like that's really cool i always appreciated when like pas helped me with that because i think it's a super important thing to like stay connected to people that way and like everything like yeah it's great that we can catch up over the phone and facetime and all these digital things but like who doesn't love getting something in the mail that isn't a bill like I don't know. I love sending love letters to my friends. And no, that's I think awesome. it's just like a sweet little, it's a sweet little gesture to be like, Hey, you're on my mind, even though I haven't seen you in like six weeks, like, and you might not get this postcard until after I've been home and then left for the next tour, because that's how the mail system works. But you're still going to get it. And you're going to know that I was thinking of you. So I'm going to completely turn this one yeah, away yeah. from uh yeah, yeah yeah from the trajectory that it was going to but uh i know that pay tends to be a bit of a touchy subject for some people and i know that there's certain people in this industry that i've talked to that are just like your pay is your pay you don't talk about your pay but um in my opinion talking to other people about your pay is a how you figure out how much your worth is and you know mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily for reasons of trying to call out other people and saying like, well, they're making twice what I'm making. Like what the fuck? But it's, it's for me, I, I just, I wouldn't know how to value myself as a guitar tech unless I had these conversations with other people. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't know where we go from here, but I guess we'll talk about pay for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was telling like, I'm really passionate about that component. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Super um, passionate about it. Uh, like, first off, it's not illegal to talk about pay. It is not like, it's illegal. It's not Thank illegal you. to talk about salary. It is just highly frowned upon and highly discouraged. And I, like, my basic understanding of it is to gatekeep. You know, it's to gatekeep wage increases and equitable wages for different minority groups in any industry, not just music industry. And sure. so. I'm constantly talking about it with my peers. And the thing is, it's like, I have a general rule of thumb for the rates that I'll charge, but like, I always like, everything's negotiable based on the project. In my opinion. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I know what I need to make to pay my bills, but I also know that like, there are some gigs that like, they can afford more. Yeah, they can afford more or other gigs, they can't afford more. Like a budget's a budget. So like whenever 
a conversation comes up about like, you know, what is it that whenever somebody asks me like, Oh, what's your, what's your weekly salary? I'm just like, my, it's negotiable based on the scale of the project and the existing budget. Like, tell me more about what you want me to do and tell me more about what your budget is. And then I'll tell you if I can work within that range. And if I can't, then like, I'll introduce you to some folks that are interested in that range. And, but yeah, especially as like someone doing like a lot of the settlement and budget numbers, especially on like a revenue earning portion, like, like merch and uh, VIP, like those are revenue earning positions. And it's like, and then you hear things like, you know, you, you've been in the industry. It's like, I, I don't mind, like whatever. Like if, if somebody's entitled to a higher compensation, they're entitled to a higher compensation, you know, like how they've managed to organize and negotiate for that for themselves. I'm for that. But it is, it is definitely frustrating when, you know, you find out that like, um, I've been in the industry 10 years, I've been touring since 2017. And then a first year, first tour, 22 year old, junior lighting tech is making more per week than me. And, you know, his department is a revenue, like that's a revenue spending like department. Like it's, you know, I like it's a necessary part of the show, but it's like, I'm also a necessary part of the show because I earn all the money that pay for these positions. And yet you're not like the way you're communicating value to me is that like, I don't matter that much, even though I have all this experience, you hired me specifically because of this. And, you know, and then you start talking with folks, you're like, what? Like, you've never done this before. You're making more per week than me. Like, good for you. But like, like, what the shit? (laughs) That's a, that's a smack in the face. And then I started talking about it more. And like, generally speaking across the board, like, VIP positions and merch positions. I, I, I've never really done merch, but I, I have heard this about merch positions too, are generally speaking, like lower compensated than the tech roles. And generally those positions are also dominated by, you know, younger women and femmes in the industry too. And so, cause they're, I mean, I've heard people say like they're starter roles in touring, like, and a lot of people, and you know, that's how I started touring was in VIP and it's much easier for men to then transition out of that starting role into lights or audio or whatever else it is they want to do than it is for women. Like a lot of us get pigeonholed into these like VIP hospitality PA roles where we're having to advocate for better wages when our male counterparts are just like transitioning, no questions asked, like don't have to do additional internships or certifications or anything. And they're just like, Oh yeah. Like that's why I don't do VIP anymore. There was a, there's a threshold cap on like what you can make in it. And it's like, well shit, like that should be the case. <laughs> like, man, maybe I should go back and like learn, I don't know how to wrap a cable. <laughs> <laughs> I keep, I, I keep coming back to this damn cable. <laughs> well, Jose, I know for a fact that you should teach her how to, how to wrap a cable. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot. So I have a non-touring job, and the non-touring job, uh, it's basically people that work merchandise, uh, or merch managers for other tours, and and a lot of them are yeah. also like people that have retired from the road, and you know, still want to mm-hmm. be involved in the music industry, and yeah, the the 
I'm not saying that this is right, but the reason that I understand that those that the merch position in particular is quote lower paying is because of tips. And uh, one thing that I do want to mention on this podcast is that I've also heard some stories of basically artists trying to say like, oh, the tips belong to us. That is 100% a lie. Tips belong to you, uh, the person that is providing the service. So if you're a merch manager or if you're doing merch at a table, uh, the artist doesn't get the tips. You get the tips. That is your earned money. Um, and, For sure. And if, if they say, and if they say we're the ones that are selling the shirts, so therefore it's ours, that's not the case. That's wage theft. So uh, that's, that's something that I just want to put crystal clear into this podcast that if you're if you're working for or or if you're negotiating a gig and the artist tells you that the tips belong to us that's theft absolutely not well i also think that like sure you can make a case for a merch position being a lower paid position because it's tip based but when you price your shirts at 75 dollars and you know you're and like jackets at 150 and like you know when you start to scale stuff to that level you're discouraged like your average fan has already spent how much on the ticket plus ticket master fees and all of that to get there what are they going to tip a dollar if they're feeling generous and then they're spending eight bucks a pop per beer and that's assuming they're getting a cheap beer Mm -hmm. like you know like all of these experiences like they add up to be very costly. So I don't really necessarily believe that like any position on tour should be determined like by the potentiality of being tips, like, oh, absolutely like not. tipped out by like the consumer. Like mm-hmm. that shouldn't be a factor of my wages. That should be a bonus. 100%. Sure. Like, yeah, but like, it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be like, Oh, well you're going to make, probably like three to $400 in tips a week. Like I don't fucking care what I maybe can do. I can't budget off of maybe like I have a life to live. I have bills to pay and I'm not going to like, maybe doesn't pay my water bill. No, (laughs) it doesn't. I need a, I need a, I need a set number that I know that I can rely on. And then anything above and beyond that. Great. That's a bonus. But like, this is what I'm worth. If you want me to do this gig, like, this is what we're going to go off of. Yeah. I can't can't go to my landlord and say, hey, so maybe I'll pay rent this month. Yeah, (laughs) maybe I'll pay like, you know, three fourths of my mortgage based on the amount of tips I make. But I'll pay 100% of it if I make a little bit more in tips. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and there's actually, there's one show in particular, Jose and I were touring together at one point and we started uh-huh. jokingly, we started to cause a ruckus saying, why does merch get to put out a tip jar? Like, why can't we put out a tip jar? And so I, uh, it was in Reno, Jose. Um, and so we decided to jokingly make these, uh, you don't remember this at all. Do you? <laughs> uh, no, I remember that. <laughs> we show. jokingly, we made these oh it was it was a terrible terrible show but we made oh, these yeah. tip jars for ourselves that we didn't put out during showtime but we were just that we you had one on top of the guitar vault for a while it just said tips on it that's amazing see i get like i as a rule of thumb like when i worked in like when i do vip gigs i will oftentimes have people trying to tip me like just for doing basic things of my job and like Cause I think that that doing VIP especially feels very service based in, in a like 
especially when there's food and drink and everything involved. So they're like, Oh, here, let me tip you. And, you know, these are already the high spenders, you know, that are paying additional amounts. So it's like they have money to spend on this, but my rule of thumb was like always decline it once. And like, it was impolite to decline it like a second time. But I was like, no, the fans already paid this much money. Like you, I I'm earning a weight. Like the artist should be able to pay me a supporting wage reflective of what the artist has paid to be here. So the fans shouldn't then have to support me on their tips, but. Oh, for sure. Like I never, like whenever fans would try and give me a tip for like doing my job, I'm just like, no, this is, this is actually like, I'm earning a living wage to do this. So like, this is really sweet and kind of you, but like, you know, go buy your kid a t-shirt or something like that instead with that money or do some other thing with it. Like I don't need it. Like, or I shouldn't need it. You know, I shouldn't rely on that for like, oh, this is a, like, this is how I'm going to eat on my day off. <laughs> right. Like, that's let's just, let's just say that you find out that a lighting tech or, or somebody like that is, you know, making that much more money than you. What, what, what would you do in that situation? Do you just like tough it out, but then like, you know, say, fuck this band, I'm never going to work for them again. Or, well, honestly, I don't even think it's the band necessarily that knows sometimes right. of or like artists, like, but yeah, there was, I mean, like there was an instance last summer when I was working on like a larger stadium scale tour. And I found out that the company that I was contracted with was giving me $40 per diem and the rest of the crew was getting $50 per diem. And I know that like, that's also like, depending on like the scale of the artist, like I was talking with a friend of mine and he was like, well, wow, I can't even believe you get $40 per diem. I get 20. And yeah. he was like, but I like went back to the company and I was like, Hey, like I'm a part of this crew. Like why is my per diem negotiated at a lower rate than everybody else on the team? Like this is pretty bogus that you would do that. And they were just like, Oh, well that's what we have in the budgeted amount. And I was like, cool, fix your budget. And they were like, are you really going to throw a fit over 10 extra bucks a day? And I was like, yeah, actually. Yeah, I am. And I want you to do it not only for me, but the two other people on my team. So that's 30 bucks a day that you're going to have to put out. And they were just like, well, okay. Like they, it was like a little bit of muscling. I was just like, you're, are you, I was like, I'm not, I was like, and all my friends are like, are you really going to walk away from a, like a two month deal over like, you know, 30 bucks a day for you and your team. And I'm like, yeah, cause it's the principle of the matter. Yeah, the There's no exactly. reason that anybody else. And like, and I will say that like, I'm fortunate enough to have a privilege in my career where I've worked for a lot of, you know, A-list stadium level and arena level acts that like, it probably would have, it would have definitely dinged me to walk away from that. But like, I would have been able to recover and the thing is, is like, I wanted my teammates because my two teammates that were on that, like they were still had like younger, more relatively new careers. And I was like, I wanted to make sure that like, they weren't set up for an example of being like, oh no, like we, this is how we just have to accept what it is. I'm like, no, I was like, I will walk away from this gig and let them find another lead for you guys. If it means you getting an increase in the pay just to teach, like just to set an example. And I was like, and it might've sucked and it might've hurt me, but I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I can always go back and bartend if I need to, you know, I, I love doing what I do, but like, I don't want to be disrespected 
by my, you know, sure. by like that. And I also don't want my team disrespected by like that way. I don't know. Like, it's just not, it's not fair. It's not equitable and it doesn't set a good precedent, I think. So, but since then it's been great because that's been fixed and resolved. And now that organization has just, they match whatever the tours PDs are, which I think is great and how it should be. So I was like, I don't want $40 if the crew, if the rest of the crew is getting $30. I don't want $40 if the rest of the crew is getting $50. I want a per diem that's reflective of what the crew is getting. Like that's how it should be. Yeah. Fair is fair is fair. Yeah. It's like, we're all one big organism out there. Like we should be treated equitably in terms of per diems, you know, and like how our basic job functions and how that's determined, that's totally different. But in terms of just like cost of living, little daily things like that should be across the board. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily, I don't disagree with the fact that some jobs may be technically more involved or may need a certain level of schooling or anything like that for, for a position like Mm -hmm. that, I can understand a crew member being paid more, but Mm -hmm. the, the, the disparity in pay shouldn't be based upon, you know, it's, it's literally illegal to pay somebody differently based upon age, uh, sex, sexual orientation. Um, yeah, you know, there's, I, I, I used to I used to be a manager in a factory and uh and I got into a dispute one time because uh I was I was in charge of hiring for my department. Basically, like I got into a dispute with somebody because I was told that there were certain roles that I needed to hire men for. And it's like, well, if there's a if there's a woman that can do the job, I'm not gonna pass her yeah. up. Just you know, the, the the bottom line is the person needs to be able to do the job. I don't I don't I don't care if they dress like a clown. Like if they come in looking like a clown, like a literal clown every day, that's fine. As long as they can do the job, that doesn't matter to me. And the pay shouldn't be reflective of that. It should be reflective of your skill set and the value that you bring to the table. Yeah, exactly. Like, it should be reflective of the value. Yeah, I think I can't remember on which Instagram page I read this, but there's a couple I follow. I follow a, like a couple of like financial feminist and like broke black girl and who else um miss dow jones and a few others and i'm like super into it and like talking about like the wealth gap between like men and women and it's like what is it like women are in like 84 cents to a man's dollar but like in terms of wealth gap like women only have 32 cents to a man's dollar so and that's like you know like assets investments things like that and so and then like reading about the discrepancies between the music industry, I think it's like 44% of like men or something like that in live touring earn more than women in the live touring industry. And it's just like, sick, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. love that for us. Yeah. <laughs> but if I talk about it too much, like, oh my, everyone's like, oh my God, you're such, you're so aggressive. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm five foot. I'm five foot small. Four. I smile when I'm stressed out, and I have like pink hair. I'm not. I trust me. Like I'm not aggressive. Carter always yeah. says I carry a pocket knife. So <laughs> he's like, you could turn at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, for those of you who are listening that do tour budgets or anything, do us all a favor and make sure that it's fair across the board, as fair as it can be. Yeah, that's all I got on that. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's like it should be based on like skill valuation that you bring and like, you know, just like reflective of that. And I think we're also one industry that like doesn't really take into consideration cost of living um increases mm-hmm. either. You know, like a lot of a lot of uh folks will get uh you know um cost of living with like raises with their jobs when they have a more static nine to five. And like as a freelancer, like a lot of the benefits that you're afforded with a nine to five job um in a traditional company, like you're paying like my insurance is my responsibility, like all of like, you know, sometimes like even doing my taxes, all that stuff, that's like my responsibility to ensure all of that's getting done, which is fine. You know, I'm my own small business. But you know, I'm also in charge of like my own cost of living raises and everything each year. And if artists are earning more revenue with each passing tour, then that should be reflected in, you know, this, the minor increases that we ask for in our salaries as well. So, yeah, for sure. I, I personally can't complain because I, I think this is, this is probably going to be my best year yet, but yeah, yeah, it is. no i mean like i'm not upset about any uh i'm not upset about it but i also do like tend to try like i would love to see the salary cap for vip wages kind of lifted because i think that like especially on like stadium and arena level tours there's no reason to have as low of a cap as it is so. It might it might be really interesting. I, I I'm definitely not going to do it because I just straight up don't have the time. But almost like how glass that there's something like Glassdoor for like your normal jobs, like an accountant or like data entry specialist or something <laughs> like that. It might be really interesting to like have an entertainment industry like version of our own Glassdoor where it can be like you can anonymously submit what your salary is, so that way somebody else while they're negotiating a salary can look up. Oh, what does a drum tech normally make? Oh, shit, I have not been making that. I never assume what I think people can afford. I always like, I mean, like, obviously I know that like someone playing a club level show is going to be able to afford or have a different budget than someone playing, you That's know, fair, two guess. sold out nights at a stadium. But I always make them like throw out the number first. In my experience, putting a number out there first as a woman does definitely cap me. Like I have found that like, if I throw out my range, then they're like, Oh, sick. We don't have to pay her more than that. So, Oh yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. um, whereas if I'm like, Hey, like, you know, I'll, I'll say I'm negotiable, you know, based on the scale and range. Like that's like, I don't know. And like, just like you tell me like what you have in mind for a budgetary number. And I'll tell you if that works for me. Um, right. Cause like, a club show might have more to spend than I think. Like, you know, they might, I might be thinking like, Oh, they can only afford X for a week, but I don't know that maybe management's made a deal that they're going to go out with some other artists in the fall and they're going to be suddenly, you know, blowing up and they've got radio play and all this stuff happening. I don't know that. So it could be that like, they're looking to build a team. And so they're going to pay more on the front end because they want someone that's going to stay committed to the growth of the artist. So. I always ask them what their budget is and like what they're looking for in the person in the position. So for sure. Does anybody have any final thoughts or anything that we didn't cover that we'd want to talk about? Um, I don't know. I've, you guys are the podcast pros. I've, 
<laughs> podcast oh. praise. <laughs> I don't know I about mean, that. I, I don't even listen to podcasts. They put me to sleep. Well, you well, don't have to listen to this one, but but you're still on it. I'll, pro- uh, I'll, I'll probably listen. I'll, I'll listen to this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, she'll she'll put it on while she's working, and then like be be off at a table somewhere, just like. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get my yeah, date. I'll, I'll, I'll get a little nap. I'll walk by. Yeah, I'll walk by. Oh, yeah, she must be listening to Roadie Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful! I love well, the concept of like podcasts, and I love the concept of audiobooks, but like, man, it just like doesn't work for me. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I get it. This is this is actually probably the only podcast I listen to, and it's only because I listen to it before we release it. So that we can like also like it's fun and it's like you get to like i don't know you're like like hearing people kind of shoot the shit about like stuff that like makes sense like to us in our industry and stuff it's just like you know like oh yeah back of the Uh, bus banter yeah exactly this is that that's part of why my reasoning why i wanted to start this was just like to kind of share with people the conversations that we have on the bus plus also like add another layer to that onion of the live show that people really enjoy. Plus getting to meet new people. Plus like, you know, what opportunities do you have to just shoot the shit with somebody that you did, that you did a tour with a year ago? Like, I mean, man, come on the podcast, you know, something like that. Yeah. And, that's uh, super cool. I like that. And, and one of the, re- like I listen to a lot of podcasts pretty much almost, almost exclusively just because I have a hyperactive mind. And so I need something to take my mind off of something while I'm in the middle of doing another task. See, podcast pro. Uh, I guess something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, Jamie, it was wonderful to get to talk to you. Jose, I will, yeah, likewise. I will, I will catch you on the flip side. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. All right. See you. Thank you for listening to the Roadie Friday podcast. Have a question or an idea? Email us at roadiefridaypod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Theme music by Ricky Armolino. Editing and production by Darren Makins. 